Amen. I, I read the story this week of a man uh, bumped into a friend, and his friend looked so forlorn and almost on the verge of tears, and he said, man, what in the world uh, has happened to you? What's, what's going on? And he said, well, let me tell you. He said, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. And he said, well, that's, that's a lot of money. He said, yeah, but he said, two weeks ago, my uncle passed away and left me $85,000 free and clear. The guy looked at me and said, well, sounds like you're blessed. He said, what's wrong? He said, well, that's not all of it. He said, this week, my aunt passed away and left me a quarter of a million dollars or this past week. And he said, well, you've told me about all of those blessings and I still see that frown on your face. He said, what's wrong? He said, this week, nothing. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's the way it is for a lot of folks. What have you done for me lately? But you know what? When I look back over my life and I see the blessings of God and the mercy of God and the goodness of God, I can't help but praise Him. Amen. If the Lord doesn't ever do another thing for me, He's already done enough to take me through eternity. Amen. So why don't you take a moment and count your blessings, name them one by one. Amen. I think there's a message in that. If you have your Bibles for, with, for, for just a few moments, go with me to the book of Psalms. Brother Landon, you helped me this morning. I was not sure what I that I was on the right track until you started reading your passage of Scripture in Psalms 40, and that was one of my Scripture texts. Psalm chapter 40, I'm just going to read two verses of Scripture, verse number 4 and verse number 5, Psalms chapter 40, and then I'll get to the ones that I gave you. I gave them several that we're going to go to. Psalms chapter 40, verse number 4, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. Would somebody just say many? Would you say it real loud? Many, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot, everybody say they cannot. They cannot be reckoned or they cannot be counted in order unto thee. And if I would declare and speak of them, they are more, everybody say more, more than can be numbered. Amen. Somebody say more than can be numbered. Psalms one hundred. And 16. Psalms 116, again the psalmist writing said in verse number 12, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Say that with me. All, all his benefits toward me. Amen. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Psalms 136. 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. And then he concludes with verse number 26 again. He says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. And then I want to throw one more in there just for good measure. 107, 107, verse 21 and 22. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare. Everybody say declare. Declare his works with rejoicing. Amen. God's been good to me. Amen. God's been good to me. Ushers, I need some help. Or young men, could you help Brother Landon? Amen. If you can bring me one of those. I'm going to give you an unusual gift today. Please don't throw it away. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm about to get something good. Amen. Something good. You may be seated. While they're passing those out, let me just remind all of you, Tuesday night is our annual Thanksgiving dinner time. It is a um, bring what you like night um, and bring a little extra so that we can all enjoy your specialties and your dishes. It's always a great time of fellowship and we'll enjoy the food as well. And then there will be no Wednesday service. Thanksgiving is coming. We dismiss so you can be with your family. There are some that have already uh, taken that opportunity to slip out of town. Thank God it won't last forever. Uh, but we'll be through this season before too long, hopefully. Amen. Everybody have a little packet. Anybody know what that is? Corn. Amen. Praise God. Thanksgiving is a distinctly American holiday. There is nothing like it anywhere else in the world. It celebrates neither a savage battle nor the fall of a great city. It is not marked by the anniversary of some great conqueror or the birthday of a famous statesman. To us... In the year of 2014, it represents and symbolizes a time of gathering with family and certainly uh, indulging. We will, I'm certain, enjoy a lot of good food over the next few days. But this, this holiday that we are celebrating was founded by a group of struggling pilgrims. Almost 400 years ago, during the fall of 1623, it, it was hard 
And it is hard for us to imagine what it was like then and how deplorable the conditions of life were. I was this week privileged to stand in a church building in South Carolina that was in excess of 250-something years old, still a functioning church building, one who my father's family had come out of many years ago. I saw uh, how it had been taken care of and weathered the storms and how it stood as a reminder of God's goodness. But you have to go further back than that to understand the real meaning behind Thanksgiving. Because in those early days, there was a mixture of faith and hope and despair and a great deal of sacrifice and suffering. The pilgrims that came to Plymouth Rock had endured the hardship of an ocean voyage that was almost unimaginable. They had come... 120 men, women, and children. And they had been on the sea for 63 to 66 days on the Mayflower, had been driven off course, had, had encountered a storm that had broken the mast, and at one point they were fearful that they would all die, but somehow they made it. A hundred and... Twenty men, women, children, livestock, provisions in a hull about the size of a volleyball court. Uh, anybody know what a volleyball court is? About 30 feet wide and 60 feet long. 120 people crammed into that small a quarter for one reason. They wanted to find freedom. They wanted to find a land where they could worship, they could pray, they could live the way that they wanted to live. And after a long voyage and so hard a trip, now they land in an area of our country around Cape Cod where uh, the brutal elements of winter had set in. And it was indeed a very treacherous time. A brutal winter would deplete their number. They would be malnourished. They would be susceptible to disease. During the first four months of that year, nearly half of the people who had made it died in those early days under the harsh strain of that barren lifestyle. Someone said that in that early count, 13 out of 18 mothers died in that first winter. 47 people in all passed, and many others lingered on the brink of death. At one point, there were only seven healthy colonists that could keep vigil over the sick and the dying. And there were Indians that were watching, so they would have to make their appearance at certain time to leave the impression that they were doing better than they were because they were fearful of being overrun. Their daily existence was life and death, and to overcome constant hunger, sickness, and exposure to the elements, living in crude houses that were made of mud, they somehow survived that brutal winter 
in 1600s. And in spite of all of the things that went wrong, there were those that survived. Because of their limited understanding of this new environment, they had a hard time making a go of it. Planting crops and so forth became a difficult thing. I read and uh, I, I re-understood uh, some uh, of the history just this week, but uh, where they landed, the area that they landed, was an area that had been inhabited by a very fierce tribe of Indians that were basically cannibals and preyed on any humans outside their uh, tribe. But mysteriously, they had all died off because of disease and because of sickness. And so when the pilgrims landed, they found an area that was, was, was completely vacated, and yet it had been prepared. Fields were open, and they were able to take advantage of some of that. But even with that going for them, there was so much against them that every meal became... A, 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 a portioned out uh, event. They were not given plenty. It was just uh, as little as they could get by with. And the death toll constantly reminded them of how fragile life was. But it is recorded in William Bradford's memoirs that in the following spring, when the Mayflower decided to return to England... The crowning point, the most proud point of these early pilgrims was that when they had the chance to go back, they didn't. They stayed. Harsh and brutal as it was, the opportunity was there for them to return to England, but they made special note that when the Mayflower sailed in the spring, none of them were on board. They had come to stay. I love people like that. I love people that have come to stay. Amen. I love people that make up in their mind, sink, swim, die, whatever. I'm not going anywhere. Amen. And yet the pilgrim's trial was far from finished. The plentiful autumn was followed by a particularly treacherous winter. The weather proved to be the least of their ailments because in November of the following year, another ship arrived called the Fortune, and it dropped in their lap 35 more pilgrims. The only problem was they had no food, no extra provision, no clothing, and no equipment for survival. And these folks were barely making it as they were. At their lowest point in what was called the starving years, and you can research and read about it, the starving years, the pilgrims were reduced to a very meager daily ration of food. According to the journals of Governor Bradford, the pilgrims at one point were restricted to a fourth a loaf of bread a day, and when food was really scarce, they would go four or five days at a time with a few kernels of corn a day. Legend says that there were five kernels of corn. 
Five is the number of grace. Perhaps they were mindful of God's grace to them. Yet history records that none of the pilgrims died of starvation during that time. None. Legend tells us that in the fall of 1623, the pilgrims decided to celebrate Thanksgiving again. And they invited their Indian friends to be their guests. And when they came together this time, it was much different than the first time. There was a feast of abundance. There were meats of various kinds and fruits and nuts that had been prepared. But when the pilgrims came to partake of the meal and they sat down first, they sat down to an empty plate. And then somebody passed by and handed them five kernels of corn. They began their feast of thanksgiving with the reminder of what they had made it on. And then they went into their feast. They were thankful for five kernels of corn because it reminded them that in spite of everything that had been against them, they had survived. And it was their way of saying, Thanks, God, for helping us make it. Thank you, God, for helping us endure. They were thankful for the simplest of things. They did not want to forget God's great provision for them. And so they took five kernels of corn and they put it out at their plate to remind them that this is how we survive. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than six million people on the face of the earth today. If you have never experienced the danger of battle or the loneliness of imprisonment, or the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation. You are ahead of 500 million people in the world today. If you can attend a church without fear of harassment, or arrest, or torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world today. If you have food in the refrigerator and you have clothes on your back, and you have a roof over your head, and you have a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the present world. If you have money in the bank, if you have money in your wallet, and you have spare change in a dish somewhere, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy people. And if your parents are still alive and are still married, you are even in rarer company. And if you hold your head up and you have in your spirit a sense of thankfulness, you are not the norm of the day in which we live. Why is it that we take for granted the uncounted blessings of an everyday life Because we haven't had anything major happen lately. I want to remind you of the simple things this morning that you need to be thankful for. 
The fact that you're sitting on a pew and not in a hospital. The fact that your chest didn't cut open and they're working on your heart today. The fact that you may be battling an illness but you're still battling is something you ought to lift your voice to today and say, thank you, God, that I am able to come into a place and give thanks unto the Lord for all that he has done. What if you took the time to put a price tag on your blessings? What kind of price would you put on them? Well, I'll tell you. If it's your heart, fifteen to $20,000 for a bypass. If it's a transplant, you'll pay $210,000 plus. If it is a gastronomical surgery, you're going to spend $15,000. If there's fertility treatment because you cannot have children, they'll spend $40,000. If there's a kidney transplant, there's forty plus to $100,000. A liver transplant, 115,000. Bone marrow transplant, 106,000. A lung transplant, 105,000. A nursing home, $300 a day. Somebody even said that if the insurance man said that it costs $70,000 a year to replace your wife. What are you after, Brother Hughes? I am after some folks here today that find a way to complain in spite of God's blessings. I am here today to remind you that in your hand are five simple reminders. I don't know what your corn is going to represent before this service is over, but I'm going to tell you what mine are going to represent. And, and I don't want you taking mine, but I'm going to tell you what mine are. All right? I am thankful, first of all, that I have survived. That I am still here. I am thankful that in spite of everything that the devil and my own flesh could do to sabotage my life, somehow by the mercy and the grace of God, I'm still here. Everything the devil has done to sabotage and destroy my life, I am still able to walk into this building and lift my hand and say, thank you, God, for mercy that has kept me and grace that has kept me and your love that has persevered through all the things of my life. I don't ever want to forget where I came from. And I am thankful that God has brought me a long way And as bad as it has been at times, I'm here to tell you that God is still good and you're still here. So that's something to thank God for. Amen. You know what? I used to think that people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I have come to understand that people have problems because they complain. And I just wanted to put something in your hand that when you walk away from here and you start looking around your life, you can find at least five simple things that you are thankful for and say, God, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, 
if it had not been for your keeping power, if it had not been for your mercy, if it had not been for your love, if it had not been for your patience, if it had not been for your tenderness, where would I be? I am thankful that I have survived. Amen. I used to say this, and I, I don't say it lightly. I'm thankful I have moving body parts. Most of you are aware of what happened a few years ago in a neck surgery that left me completely paralyzed from my chin down. And for I don't know how long, my wife knows, but I was conscious. I was aware that I couldn't move a thing. I could not move. I willed my feet to move, but they would not move. And I can remember laying on that gurney, waiting for them to decide what the next step was, and pulling my head up with a brace around my neck, looking at my toes, saying, move, and nothing happened. I remember them taking me back, and then it was blank. And then when I came through, my wife was there at the bed, and the doctor was relieved, said it was the worst day of his life. I said, hey, come lay down here. Let me tell you about the worst day in your life. But I remember those days. I remember I was so weak. My sister-in-law, Leanne, was at the hospital staying with me part of that time. I couldn't even take a Coke bottle and unscrew the lid on the Coke bottle. The doctors weren't sure how I was going to be able to walk or function or do any of those things. But here I am today, as ugly as ever. And everything works. It doesn't work perfect, but it's, you know what? Instead of me sitting around saying, well, I don't understand why that happened to me. I just don't know why God let that happen. I don't either. I don't know why those things happen. But I am just thankful that in spite of everything that's happened, I can clap my hands. I can lift my hands. I can dance. I can rejoice. I can sing because God has kept his hand on me. And I don't want to forget that. And when I think this week of the blessings of God, I want to thank God that I have survived. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to thank God that I am better off than I think I am. Let me go back and read to you those statistics again. If you have food on your table, you're better off than 75% of the world. That's a great portion of the world. I am thankful, number two, for what I have, not what I've lost. Amen. When I look around at life, life is so hard sometimes, and it's hard to understand. It, it, even as a preacher, you, you know, everybody expects the preacher to have an answer to why this happened and why am I going through this. And, and I've had to look at people and tell them, I don't know why. I, I don't have an answer for that. I can't give you a reason. All I know is that God is too good to be unfair and God is too merciful to be unkind. And if he let something come into your life, there's got to be a reason. So instead of complaining about it, why don't you look around and realize what you still have and thank God for what you have instead of moaning and crying about everything that you have lost in your life. When I think about all the things I've lost in my life, I could get into serious depression. Hair that's fallen out, teeth that don't work, eyes that don't work all the time, hearing that's going out. And 
Amen. All of the, all of that vim and vigor that's just kind of, I don't know what's happened to it. (laughs) Amen. I'd sit around crying about what I don't have. Or I could give thanks for God for what I still have. Amen. And if I was more thankful for what I do have, I might find God blessing me with what I need to have. Amen. You know what's amazing? And and the, the, the story that I told you this morning about the Thanksgiving came from Bradford's diary and some of the others that survived. And the number five, we, we don't, there's no definite, it was, it, it's legend, it is inferred by the things that Bradford said that there was a certain number of grains of corn that they consumed in recognition of their survival. But if, if you are thankful for what you have, this is what I have learned in life. There is always enough to get you through. If you're thankful for what you have, there was enough substance in those five grains of corn to keep them through the night for another day. And so I want to thank God for what I have, not what I've lost. Amen. There's a lot of people that live in the the lost past. What they used to do, what they used to be, where they used to, all of the things that were... You know what? That's a miserable and that is a definitely defeated way to live. You will never, your marriage won't succeed. Your personal life won't succeed. Nothing about your life will be blessed if all you do is sit around looking at what's lost, what you don't have and what you don't possess, and all the time you're looking at what's not there, you're overlooking what is there. Amen. My kids could complain about a lot of things. I'm not a perfect parent. But they never had to complain about coming home being met by a drunken dad. They were never beat up or abused. And I don't say that lightly because I know some of you have been through abusive things in your family. My kids never. You know what? I don't know if they're thankful. I hope he is. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he's thankful that he didn't ever have to worry about his dad cheating on his mother or his mother cheating on his dad. I'm going to get personal, folks. There's some things in life that are worth being thankful for. Instead of you looking around and whining all the time about what's not right, why don't you look around and realize there's a lot about life that is right and there are blessings that have come to your life on a daily basis that if you would just open your eyes and say, Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. I told you, you have your own corn, you can make up your own list. I want to thank God that I have learned to make do with what I have. Everybody say, make do. I want to make do with what you have until something better comes along. Well, I'm not doing anything until God blesses me. 
I'm not doing anything till I get a, a better this or a better that, a better car, a better job, better spouse, better. You know what? I want to thank God and make do with what I have until God blesses me with something better. Amen. And the fact is, those first pilgrims made do with what they had. There was a lot that they had left behind in England and different parts of Europe to make that journey. But when they came to that Thanksgiving, they were thankful for what they had been able to have. And they made do with it. They made it work. You know what amazed me about reflecting on my father's family recently is that in spite of everything that could have destroyed a family, my dad and my mother taught us how to make do with what we had. We were poor as Job's turkey and didn't even know it. We were from the other side of the tracks and still didn't know it because my mother and dad didn't sit around whining about what they couldn't give to us. They were too busy doing what they could do for us. And when they did that, I turned back and I say, Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for putting something in me of appreciation and learning how to live with what I have until God blesses me with something better. Amen. People who check out on life and their family and other things because they do not get what they want in life is a pitiful way to try to live. Stop complaining about what is not fair about life and just realize that it's life. And make do with what you have. Amen. Somebody say make do with what you have. Praise God. We never went hungry. We never went without food. As a matter of fact, if you saw my mother, she was one of the healthiest women you've ever been around in your life. And she made eating pleasurable. But if it was beans and cornbread, it was beans and cornbread. We didn't lay out on the floor whining because we couldn't have filet mignon. I didn't even know what a filet mignon was until I was an adult. Well, if I can't drive that kind of car, I just don't want to drive a car. You know what? You need to walk. That's all I can say. You need to walk. Well, if I can't live in that neighborhood, I'm not living anywhere. You know what? i got a place for you. I need to take you today. Amen. You know what I've learned about life? Life is a whole lot about what you do with it. And life is never perfect. It's never ordered like we imagine. When we grow up as kids, we have this little fishtail story in our, or, or this fairy tale story uh, in our mind about how things are going to work out. And then when we get grown and we find out it doesn't work out that way, it sidesteps, it causes us so much trouble when if we would just say, you know what, this is life. I don't like it necessarily, but I'm going to do the best I can with what I have, where I can, when I can, and watch God bless me with something better. But I've learned this much about God. If you don't make do with what you have, God will never give you what you want. Amen. I'm telling okay, this is, it'll be over in just a minute. Number four. I am thankful that I have learned to live the life that I have 
not the life that I wanted. I'm thankful that I have learned to live the life that I have, not the life that I wanted. You know, I'm sure my wife had dreams of a prince charming. What I have turned out to be, we're not going to discuss, but... You know what I love about my wife is it doesn't matter whether we were living in a travel trailer or we were living out of a suitcase. Now, mind you, my wife came from a big church, Life Tabernacle in its heyday, 27, 3,000 people, I don't remember. That's the kind of church she came to. The first week we we were married, I had her in revival in a church of five people. Culture shock. There were no piano player. There were no music instruments. Whatever instruments, we brought them. We had church people got the Holy Ghost. We had revival. You know what? I never remember coming in. We lived out of a suitcase. We traveled all over the place, living in people's homes, evangelizing. Never had. I'm just telling you my story. You can tell your story after a while. Some of I've already heard your story. I don't want to hear it anymore. But you can hear my story. I never heard her complain about that. I never heard her griping about, well, I want a house. I know she wanted one. Do you know that for the first 20, almost 20 years of our marriage, her silver and china were in boxes in her parents' storage room because we didn't have a place to put them? I never come in to find my wife laying out on the bed just, all tore up because of that. She just made do with what we have. We've been blessed far more than we even begin to imagine. We, we don't even deserve the blessings of God that have come to us. But I'm here to tell you, you don't do any good sitting around whining about what is not right about life. There's a lot that's not right about life. But if you could ever learn how to make do, it would make happiness. My, one of the greatest Christmases we ever had as a family was in a 32-foot travel trailer with two kids that were active and rambunctious. We had no money. No money. We had been in revival three weeks and had not been paid one dollar And we went out on the side of the road and cut down a tree, which I found out later was illegal. (laughs) And brought that little tree back to our trailer. And I went by Walmart and I scrounged up a dollar and something in change. And we bought one string of lights. And my wife and our kids, we made that Christmas tree up. And we celebrated. We made so much noise, the pastor thought we were having a family fight and came out and knocked on the door to see what was going on. My kids were running from one end of that trailer, jumping up and down and and singing, I'll be home for Christmas with Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. (laughs) Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, you can ask my kids any time, what their favorite memories of Christmas, and that story right there is usually the first story that comes up. 
My God, have mercy. You know what? You could relieve a lot of strain in your family this year if you would just look around and make do with what you have. As imperfect as it might be, as whatever you can call it, you just look around and say, you know what? We're going to make the best of this. Got a dysfunctional family? Make the best of a dysfunctional family. If you've got a problem on your job, make the best of your job. If you will learn to make do with what you have, God in His great mercy and love always has a way of working things out so that when you come to the next day, you can find more than you even imagine. And if you learn to live with what you have, not what you wanted, life would be a whole lot simpler. Amen. Praise God. Well, I need to close. Some of you are antsy right now. My last, I am thankful for staying power because staying is better than leaving. You hear me? Staying is better than leaving. Going on is better than going back. And I am thankful that somehow through it all, there's been something that has helped keep me from going back. Have I had reasons to go back? Sure. Have I been disappointed? Certainly. Have I been let down? Absolutely. Have I ever been gutted in life and just felt like I had lost everything? Absolutely. But in spite of all of that, I'm still here. And I've found out that staying is a whole lot better than leaving. Amen. Staying is better than leaving. Staying when life is almost unendurable is one of the great challenges of life. But I'm going to stay anyway. I'm going to stay because God has stayed. He has been faithful. He has always been faithful. And I am thankful that I've never had to get up and wonder, is there any mercy for today? I've never had to get up one morning and wonder if God had run out of grace for my failures. Because every morning, there's new mercies. Every morning, His faithfulness shines through. Every day that I live, God's goodness comes through in flying so those are my five grains of corn. I want you to keep that little packet with you wherever you go. I want you to keep it near you so that when you get to a point in life and you start complaining and griping about things, you'll take the time to look at those few grains of corn and remind yourself, you know what, I still have something to be thankful for. What are you thankful for this morning? What do your five grains represent? What are those things that you hold in your hand right now that are so insignificant and yet 
They are so vital to life. It would make a world of difference if somehow over this holiday season and this, this coming year that you could take the time to remind yourself over and over again, God, you have been good to me. I've survived. I've stayed. Amen. I've stayed. I've stayed the course. I'm thankful for provisions in spite of problems. I'm thankful for mercies that I don't deserve. I don't want to forget where I came from. I don't want to forget what you've done for me. I'm thankful. Let's stand together.